Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 192 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist, and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice, where together with my colleagues, we provide advice and assistance to both employers and employees. Now, those of you who are regular listeners will know that I try to bring you an episode of the podcast fortnightly. Unfortunately, there's been a bit of a slip in the timetabling in relation to the podcast, and that is really due to the pressure of workload. I've said before that myself and my colleagues represent both employers and employees in all aspects of employment law. And the last few weeks has been particularly busy, um, not least because I've had a couple of new members of staff starting work with me and someone going on maternity leave, but also I've had a claim going on in the employment tribunal. And that's been a five day hearing, which I had to prepare for and assist my client, who's the employer in preparing for. So it's taken a huge amount of time. And unfortunately, I haven't quite got to the stage where I have enough episodes in the bag, if you like, to be able to bring you those in advance. So my apologies for missing out on um, a, a week of the podcast, but I'm back again and hopefully back on schedule. In this episode of the podcast, I'm carrying on the mini series in relation to employment tribunal processes and what happens. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So those of you who listened to episode 191 will recall that I went through the process of both making a claim and defending a claim. So that is starting the process of the employment tribunal claim. What I'm going to talk about today is what happens next. And whilst I can give you some general information about what generally happens in the employment tribunal, there can be a number of factors that influence this. And that can include the nature of the claims that are being made the amount of information that's been included in the claim form and defence, any applications that have been made by either of the parties, the particular employment tribunal or employment tribunal judge who reviews the case. So there are lots of things that can influence what happens next. However, generally, it does follow kind of two processes. The first process is where you have a very straightforward case. Let's just say you have a fairly straightforward claim for unfair dismissal only. So you're either bringing the claim or defending the claim. And the facts are fairly simple. And it's easy from the claim form and the defence to work out what's been going on. In that kind of situation, what generally tends to happen is the employment tribunal will take it upon themselves to list the case for a hearing, normally for one or two days, depending on what the situation is in relation to the facts of the case. So they will automatically set out a date for the hearing and will either give it one or two days, depending on what the judge who's reviewing it thinks is necessary. And then with that order setting out the date for the employment tribunal will be a number of preparation requirements for each party. And this is called a case management order. So in a straightforward case, they'll give you the date and then they'll set out the dates that you have to undertake various preparation. Now, in this kind of situation, if you are bringing a claim or defending a claim, and this happens to you, and you see 
that the date has been listed and you can't attend on that date for whatever reason or your witnesses aren't available. Then you should notify the employment tribunal as soon as possible that you're not able to make the dates that have been stated and then set out the dates you have to avoid possibly for the next six to 12 months. So any dates that you or your witnesses can't do and ask the employment tribunal to relist it for another date. If you do this, you should also send a copy of that letter that you're sending to the employment tribunal or email to the other party. So the employer or employee, depending on which side you are, you should send to the other party. Now, the reason I say you should do this as quickly as possible is because the closer you get to the hearing date, the harder it's going to be for you to get that date changed and the less sympathetic that the employment tribunal will be. So if you do get a date setting out the day that your employment claim is going to happen or you've got to defend it and you or your witness cannot attend, then you need to let the employment tribunal know with the reasons and dates to avoid so that they can relist it for another date in the future. Another reason to raise the issue in relation to the dates of the hearing are if you don't think that the time allocated is sufficient for the tribunal to be able to deal with your case and hear your evidence. So for example, if the employment tribunal have listed your case for one day and you have more than one witness being yourself, for example, then it's likely that you will need to ask for more time. In my view, typically, it's very difficult to get through an unfair dismissal case in one day and even in two if there are more than one or two witnesses involved. So if there are more than one or two witnesses for yourself and or for the other party, then you need to ask the employment tribunal to relist the hearing for a longer period. And if you're going to ask the tribunal to do this, again, you should send them your dates to avoid and if possible, liaise with the other side, the other party to get their dates to avoid and also set out what you think that the realistic timetable is for dealing with the case. What you have to factor in when thinking about the timetable for a case is how many documents do you have? So what's the size of the bundle of evidence and how long is that going to take the tribunal to read it? Because they don't tend to read the documents until the morning of the hearing. And then how many witnesses are you going to have and how long is their evidence likely to take and how long is it that you're likely to take to cross-examine the other party's witnesses? And so that's what you need to set out in the employment tribunal. And the more information that you can give them and the more helpful you can be to the tribunal, the more likely it is that they will agree and relist it to a convenient time and length of time for you. So that's the hearing date. I also mentioned that you are likely to get a list of things that you have to do with some dates to do them by. This is called a case management order and typically it involves things like exchanging your evidence with the other party and you will be given a date to do that by. And what you need to do in that situation is to gather up all the evidence that's relevant to the case, whether it's helpful to your case or not, you are required to provide a copy and that's called disclosure to the other side. Now often what people think is that they've got a number of documents and they're only going to disclose those that are helpful to their case. Your legal obligation is to disclose everything that's relevant regardless of whether it's helpful or not to your case. 
And so what you should do in that circumstance is arrange to get everything together, liaise with the other side and decide if they will be happy to accept digital copies, so by email, or if you're going to have to send hard copies of those documents. And ideally, they should be doing the same for you and making arrangements to exchange those documents. And you'll be given dates in which to do this by. Now, if you fail to comply with a case management order, then your case can be struck out or you can be fined by the tribunal. So it's really important that you do adhere to those timetables. And if for any reason you're trying to liaise with the other party and they're being uncooperative or they're not complying with the case management order, then you can write to the employment tribunal and put them on notice of that. So it's really important that when you get that order, you make a clear note of exactly what's required and the dates that you have to do it by and get prepared in advance. One of the other things that you might be asked to do in the meantime, if you are the claimant, so the employee and you're making a claim, is to prepare what's known as a schedule of loss. Now, a schedule of loss is a document which sets out exactly what it is you're claiming. So your loss of earnings, for example, in an unfair dismissal case. And you're required to put all that information together and provide it sometimes to both the employment tribunal and the other side, but most often just to the other side. So that may be something you have to do before you have to do the disclosure part, so sharing of documents. The next thing on a standard sort of case management order is that you agree with the other side a bundle of evidence, so a joint bundle of evidence that will be before the employment tribunal. So that would be an amalgamation of both your evidence and the other party's evidence. Now you'll see here that I've talked quite a lot and emphasised a lot about the requirement to liaise with the other party. Often people think that it's sort of an adversarial process, which it can be, but actually what the employment tribunal want to see is that you are cooperating to get the case as ready as possible for the employment tribunal hearing. So there is no point in trying to point score, in my view, in this process. You're better off trying to save yourself time and sometimes money if you've got legal representation by being cooperative and trying to agree with the other party. So try to agree what the bundle of evidence is that you're going to be relying on. Now, I'll talk a bit more about the bundle of evidence shortly, but in essence, it should contain everything that's relevant to the case and that you're going to refer to in your witness evidence. Sometimes disputes can arise in relation to what's included in the bundle because somebody may object to a particular document being included because maybe it's considered to be irrelevant or perhaps you consider it to be really detrimental to your case and you might want to get that taken out. Unfortunately, unless you can reach an agreement with the other party, it's likely that you will either have to raise that with the employment tribunal in advance of the hearing or on the morning of the final hearing. I often say, unless it's you know truly and wholly completely irrelevant, not likely to be referred to, and it adds unnecessarily to the number of documents, you are often better off saving your arguments for those things that really are relevant than trying to go back and forth to try and get a particular document taken out of the bundle because it's not relevant. I said earlier that the bundle should contain documents that are relevant and that you're going to refer to in your witness evidence. And that's really the test of relevance because if you're not actually going to refer to it when giving evidence, um, what's the point of including it? You, you normally, when you're preparing witness statements, 
cross-refer to the documents that support what you're saying. Ordinarily, it is the employer who's responsible for preparing the bundle of documents. Um, It's just by default, it seems to be that the Employment Tribunal will set that at the um, respondent's door to prepare that. Sometimes, if the parties, one party is represented legally and the other isn't, they may ask the party that's legally represented to prepare it rather than the non-legally represented party. So it could be that the tribunal order will say exactly who has to prepare it. And that's normally the case, as I say, normally the employer. Then following on from preparation of the bundle, you normally have to exchange witness statements. So you are required to prepare your witness evidence in writing in advance and then exchange that with the other side. Normally that takes place on the same day. And I would strongly recommend that if you are representing yourself, that you agree the date and time that you're going to exchange that evidence so that you're not providing your statements in advance of receiving the other parties. Because actually what you want to do is prepare your witness statements based on the evidence without the benefit of knowing what is in the other party's witness statement. After the witness statements, it tends to be fairly straightforward in terms of preparation unless the case is one that's complex. And I'll talk about the case management and the process for more complex cases. But in a straightforward unfair dismissal claim, that tends to be the main bulk of what is required of the parties in preparation for a final hearing. There are, of course, other things that I would recommend you do, including putting together a chronology, so setting out the times and critical events, just to make it easy for you and for the Employment Tribunal to review. If there are a number of people involved, then what we call a cast list, so putting together the list of names and then what the person's role is, just again to assist the Employment Tribunal and yourself in relation to that. And sometimes if you're legally represented, you might be asked to produce a skeleton argument and it's something that you might want to consider even if you're not legally represented and this is just setting out your legal arguments in support of your claim or defence. Now, if during the process, as I said, you aren't able to comply with any of the case management orders or, for example, the dates that have been included for doing something don't fit with you or you've got a holiday or something else is happening and you think, actually, I'm not really going to be able to do it by that date, then it's important, again, at the earliest possible opportunity to contact the Employment Tribunal and seek to get that changed. Normally, if the order has been issued without the parties having any input to it, the Employment Tribunal are more sympathetic and will agree that. It's a different story if the parties have been involved at the case management stage, again, which I'll talk about in a minute, which is in relation to more complex cases. They're less sympathetic and normally you can try to agree with the other side, but it's always worth writing to the Employment Tribunal at the earliest possible opportunity if you don't think it's realistic to meet the deadlines and the timescale that are set for the preparation. So far, what I've been talking about is a straightforward case for unfair dismissal. Now, things get a bit more difficult and more interesting when you have a claim for something like discrimination or whistleblowing or something a bit more complex or that involves a number of potential claims. In that situation, what tends to happen is that the Employment Tribunal will list the case for a preliminary case management hearing. And this is 
often by telephone. Well, in fact, actually, I should say since COVID, it's been wholly by telephone. Or if it's a longer hearing that's required, then it will be via a video call. So you can expect to have within the paperwork from the Employment Tribunal, a date and time for a preliminary case management hearing. And normally attached to that is an agenda. And the agenda is something that you're asked to complete and try to agree with the other side and send to the Employment Tribunal in advance of the preliminary hearing. Now, we often get telephone calls from both individuals and employers who have reached this stage in the process of their claim or defence and they just are really unsure what to do, particularly in relation to the agenda and then what might happen at the preliminary hearing. Now, the purpose, again, of the preliminary hearing and of the agenda you're being asked to complete is to try to make things as simple and straightforward for the Employment Tribunal as possible and to enable you to agree what's required in preparation for the final hearing. So the case management hearing is an opportunity for the Employment Tribunal to try to define and set out what the legal issues are of the claim and also to set out the timetable for what preparation is needed and then if necessary make any orders or list any further hearings in relation to the case. I will go into more detail in the next episode about what takes place at a preliminary hearing so you have an idea if you do have to represent yourself what you'd be required to do. But what I would say is if you receive notification from the Employment Tribunal that your case has been listed for a telephone hearing and a date and time is given. As I was saying before, with a full hearing, if for any reason you are unavailable to attend or you have something else, which means you cannot attend at that date and time, it's really important again to notify the Employment Tribunal as soon as possible of your reasons why you can't attend and then again setting out some dates to avoid around that date so that the Employment Tribunal can list it for another date and time and then you don't run the risk of it clashing with another date in your diary. Now in terms of what happens at the preliminary hearing, as I say in the next episode, 193, I will tell you more about what goes on But it is, as I say, an opportunity for the Employment Tribunal to set out the case management that's required. And that follows much the same as I've been talking about earlier in terms of exchanging a schedule of loss so that everybody knows exactly what the value of the claim is, exchanging evidence, which is known as disclosure, the preparation of an agreed bundle of evidence, and then the preparation of witness statements. And then what may follow that is an order that you have to prepare a chronology or a cast list or most recently we were ordered to prepare a list of the key documents that the employment tribunal should look at when they're doing their reading and then often a skeleton argument if both parties are legally represented. Where an issue arises in relation to something like time limits So if the claim has been brought potentially outside of the standard time limit that's required, so the three-month time limit, or if, for example, the employee is claiming disability discrimination and the employer disputes that they're disabled, it is possible that the Employment Tribunal could order a longer hearing to deal with those issues before a case management hearing or to incorporate a case management hearing. But generally, in my experience at the moment employment tribunals 
tend to be listing the more complex cases where there are various issues that need to be resolved for a telephone preliminary case management hearing rather than going straight to a longer full day or two day hearing to deal with something like time limits or disability. So there we have it. The next stage in the employment tribunal process is what is known as case management and that can either be dealt with by the employment tribunal setting out standard case management orders and dates for the hearing or they could list the case for a telephone preliminary hearing where a case management order and various issues will be discussed. If you have any questions about anything in this episode of the podcast or you find yourself in the middle of the employment tribunal then do not hesitate to get in touch. Myself or my team would be very happy to help. Our number in the office is 01983 or alternatively you can email me. It's alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. Thanks very much for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you found it helpful and interesting and I'll be back with another episode in two weeks time carrying on this mini series on the employment tribunal process. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.